It's the Mostly Comedy, more than Mostly Comedy podcast. Yay. Yay. That was a slick. I thought I'd go for a different style beginning. I liked it. I liked, it was very showbiz. Very showbiz. It was sort of showbiz, but I was definitely losing faith in it as I did it. So <laughs> It's good, though. And, and also it. forgot the title of our own podcast. So Well, you know, it has been that long that I did at one point kind of hesitate on saying more than Mostly Comedy. And then yeah. I kind of said Mostly Comedy. Oh, well, uh, I couldn't remember. Well, it was no. called. I didn't have my mug today. Normally, I uh, have a cup of tea, yes. and I've got a mostly comedy mug, one of the rare limited edition mugs. I that purposely I... bought it for you, so you remember the name of the club, didn't I? I said you have this, and you remember. This is it. Yeah, it's not true. Glenn bought them actually. Um, didn't have it today, and then uh, that ruined everything for me. I forgot everything. Ruined everything yeah. but it was good it was still a good interview <laughs> it was uh, and in case you're wondering who it is because you haven't looked at the title of this episode uh, we interviewed lucy porter um and it was lovely yes. i mean it, it, she is just really really lovely i mean i think we say that about everyone but then that's probably because just about everyone we have at the club is just really nice yeah and, and why would you book people that weren't nice because that would exactly. just be not fun exactly. for anyone um no but yeah, it was a lovely chat, wasn't it? And it was nice to it was. to catch up with her. We might as well just go straight in and do it right now, shall we? Let's do it. Let's do so it. So here's Lucy Porter. So here we are for another More Than Mostly Comedy interview. And we're with Lucy Porter today. Hello, Lucy. Oh, hello. It's so lovely to see you. It's lovely to have you here. Um, well, I mean, I know it's a difficult question to answer, but how have you been in the whole um, pandemic, lockdown, <laughs> one, two scenario? How's it been for you? Oh, amazing. I really? Mean- yeah, the best year of my life, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it has been, well, lockdown one was largely um, about homeschooling fails. <laughs> yep, yeah. likewise. Yep. Dominated. How old are yours, Glenn? Uh, my oldest is seven and my youngest is three. Ooh. So it's a really big gap when they're at home together <laughs> for a yes. long period of time. So does that mean the three-year-old's either going to be really, really high-end intelligent or the seven-year-old's going to be, like, really lacking in... I'm going, to <laughs> I'm going for the second one. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Based on the way lockdown went, I'm going for the second one. Yeah. 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 They've all gone feral. I mean, it was just... Uh-huh. I, I was saying, How old are yours? So 10 and 8. Oh, wow, well, yeah. And, yeah, the... I mean, it was in no way a success, the homeschooling. I was saying to my husband, it, it feels like we were sort of sitting down at first and we were trying to teach them maths and English and stuff that we haven't done yeah. for, you know, 40 years. And, yeah. um, and yeah, we, we sort of decided it would have been easier trying to teach the cats to play jazz clarinet. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, absolutely nonsense. So, yeah, we gave yeah. up about, I'd say, a week and a half in, it was wow. like, right, this is going to be about family bonding mm-hmm. and about, you know, getting up to date with uh, popular culture and watching as much television as is humanly possible. <laughs> I like I like the yeah. way of the sort of reference that made it into popular culture. So up to date with popular culture is a good way of making... Yeah. <laughs> it's almost yeah. educational, isn't it? Just yeah. watching TV, yeah. yeah. Yeah, media studies. It's very much like when I had friends who did media studies degrees. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, that sounds like a great way to watch a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I think the point yes. is you never set out to be a teacher, did you? So, you know, you can't really be hard on yourself no. for, for not oh, being it's a... it's brilliant know. as well. I've got friends who have been very scathing in the past about teachers and who have right. been like, oh, well, yeah, they get really long holidays, don't they? Oh, yeah, no. all right for some, finishing no. work at 3.30. And uh, it has been a joy and a delight to watch their... <laughs> Uh, esteem and respect for teachers climb I mean it's just yeah you just think yeah trying to control two children that I gave birth to impossible imagine 30 of the bastards that you've got no you know you can't even take away their iPads or you know threaten them with anything because they have to be nice to them unbelievable so yeah it's been it's been extraordinary I did feel bad handing them back over <laughs> to the <laughs> teachers mm. just going we have no routine or control at all <laughs> and they basically they've picked up some really bad knowledge and information because <laughs> we don't know much they mm. i mean they ended up thinking winston churchill was queen victoria's drag alter ego you know they, they were like we don't know who yeah. any of these people are and they were like yeah i mean science consisted of mixing two liquids uh, a gin and a tonic for mummy <laughs> at 6 p.m so yeah it's been it, that was tough but i mean you know compared to what most people were going through yeah. really not that bad and um and we live just down the road in lovely pinner so, oh, uh, you that's know, not too far. 
Yeah. Yes, we were we were very lucky. We went out for yomping walks and things like that, so it was all right, really. Yeah. But um, and no work. I mean, yes. Just, I was going to say, what, when are you supposed to be going on tour? I just started. You started already? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. Well, in fact, the last gig I did before lockdown was in Leicester, hmm. and it was um. Yeah, and it was really weird because the show that I was doing is called Be Prepared. In fact, because mm. I did a preview at your yes, gorgeous right, yeah. club, and um, and yeah, it was a lot more written than it than it was when it <laughs> appeared at Mostly Comedy. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I'd got the show. I was like really happy with it, and it was called Be Prepared. <laughs> yeah, which is always a good start. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. irony of yeah. like yeah, what, what were we not prepared for? Yeah, uh, yeah. Global pandemic turns out. So uh, yeah, so I did this gig in Leicester. Uh, the kind of the week before lockdown and it just felt all kinds of wrong I don't know what mm. your last gig because at that time you sort of yeah it, it didn't really penetrate that we really should just stop and stay no. at home so yeah I felt really like oh god this yeah this was a, a mistake to sort of still be gigging but you know you live was in it them. at the point where they'd announced that there was going to be a lockdown you were actually kind of still doing gigs or was it just before they said it officially yeah i think it was just we all knew it was coming but mm. it hadn't officially been announced and i think you know and theaters didn't want to shut no. because they no. didn't know what was going to happen and so yeah so the whole thing was kind of very peculiar and especially because the show is all about um my experiences as a brownie mm. and mm-hmm. about the scouts obviously because the show is called be prepared and which is the motto of the scouts and so mm. Everyone who was coming to the show, or a lot of them, were scout leaders and guide leaders, and they're sort of really kind of capable and competent members of society. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, it was really interesting because they were all like, "Yes, right, we're going to take this pandemic, we're going to tackle it," and we're and, and the conversations we were having then, hmm. you sort of look back now and think, "Yeah, no, we had no idea what was going to happen. We no. just had no idea." No, no, not at all. Definitely, yeah. I think the theatre that I run, we were definitely in denial massively. We were kind of going, well, I think they might close us for a week or something. I'm not sure, but we'll be, we'll be fine. I'm sure. You know, it was yeah. like that. We did. So we stopped with no plan at all because we thought, well, we'll probably open about a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. Also, even with even with the club, we took quite an early decision to because we had a gig. I think well, Arthur did, Smith was going to do, and, and yeah. it, we decided at a point where it wasn't quite definite. And you sort of thought, yeah. are we actually being a bit too yeah. dramatic? Over cautious, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then yeah. it all happened and continued. Forevermore. I was frustrated because I was supposed to be going to see, of all people, uh, William Shatner uh, was doing wow. a show. Yeah, he was doing a show at Hammersmith Apollo. It was a showing in one of the Star Trek films and like a you know question answer thing. I just thought it would be amusing. Um, and they it still went ahead, but it was like the day before lockdown was actually starting. And you're like, well, I can't go to Hammersmith Apollo and sit mm. with like three and a half thousand people. But they didn't cancel it, obviously, because they didn't want to refund it. So you're just yeah. in a sort of frustrating situation. And even like, because Shatner must be in his 80s. So you think, well, really? Yeah. But but yeah, I didn't get to see Shatner. So that's 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 the biggest loss I think I've had this year. Well, do you know to... what, though? Shatner yes. will be back. If anything, <laughs> if anyone I'm will certain be. of, it's going to be yeah. Shatner. Shatner yeah. will, will, like an old trooper, yeah. he'll be coming back out. But you do look back, I think, and you think, what sort of tender young summer souls we were back yeah. then the idea of you know yeah. if we just wash our hands yeah. it'll probably be fine That's we'll just exactly wash our hands it. and sing yeah. happy birthday and then it will be over in about yeah. 10 minutes and uh, and you know yeah and then it kind of became wear a mask and then nobody yeah. knew how to wear the masks no, and then, no. yeah because all the sort of craziness as well you just didn't think that we and although there's been hints that conspiracy theories are kind of taking hold yeah. and you know people are sort of mistrustful of mainstream media and stuff mm. you kind of never believed that you know Lawrence Fox mm. <laughs> would yeah. become the kind of figurehead of, of this kind of yeah. anti-mask sort of anti-lockdown oh, yeah. thing it's been... so bizarre isn't it I, don't, I really don't understand how you're being infringed by being asked to wear it and and it it's it, yeah it's so it's oh I know, but do you know what? People have come here to escape from all that. It's true. I think. That's a very true thing. How have you found, so if you've started the tour again now, how, how's that working? Where, have you actually done oh. any shows yet? No, or? no, no. Well, I'll tell you what I did, right? So <laughs> in summer, I did um, some drive-in comedy. Oh, you did some of that? Oh, cool. okay. Excellent. Yes, and I was... Skeptical, I will be honest. But yeah. I went down and I had the loveliest day. I went down to Appledore in Devon, right? And it right. was 
uh, gorgeous. It was that little, you know, the last little bit of sun that we had in sort of end of September. Mm. Absolutely gorgeous. And there was a field of people in cars. And I said, oh, well, what would they do if they like it? They're going to honk their horns. And <laughs> the woman running it said, no, 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 darling. No, uh, the residents would complain if there was honking of horns because it's very, very posh down in Appledore. So she said, no, they shall, they shall flicker their headlights. <laughs> Amazing. And I, I was like, oh, this is going to be difficult. But actually, because it was such a nice night, everyone kind of got out of their cars and... Right. And it did. It felt like being in America in the fifties or something. It was right. like cool. this yeah, sort yeah. of people making out on the back seat while you're. Uh, <laughs> doing, I mean, they weren't making out. They were all sort of no. people of my age who are well past that kind of nonsense. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, they were all sort of laughing and and then it did get a little bit rainy, so people sort of got back in their cars and they flicked their headlights and so it was actually really nice. And the, yeah. the you know the memories of this year are going to mm. be extraordinary you know the lows yeah. and but the highs have been quite extraordinary and yeah. you know there's stuff that you never thought you would do like this you know having little yeah. lovely yeah. chats on zoom exactly. and yeah. to me i was again i was like oh god i don't want to do gigs from my own home because then mm. you know it's an infringement of my personal space and yeah. but we've created this so the reason i've got a zoom background for in fact shall i show them yeah, go so on, yeah. The, reality. Uh, yeah. Right, I'll show you. So I've got this Zoom background because, right, so I'm sat in a little, basically I've got a mattress here. Nice. Uh, and these are some old plastic box lids that are kind of holding that up. <laughs> uh, and then there's my mum's old eider down there, which is covered by a green thing. Um, so I'm in a corner of the spare room in a little sort of duvet and mattress yeah. kind of enclosure so that it sounds yeah. nice because I've been sort of doing radio shows and things. Mm, of course, um, yeah. And it's like a little womb yeah, yeah. That I retreat to and I get to sit here and have a nice chat with people like yourself. And the children, I mean, they may come in. Uh, yes, <laughs> like that BBC News clip with the little kid on the little wheelie yeah. thing. I know, but do you remember? That used to be like a big thing. Oh, look, there's yeah. a child in yeah. the background. And now we're like, well, I mean, nice. everything I've done, a child has cut. Not even my children sometimes. Just random children, yeah. <laughs> local urchins wandering through. But, yeah, yeah. we're all so blasé about that. And I think mm. people have got a lot more relaxed about sort of just chatting and in a way mm. i think it's what's been on the cards anyway with things like podcasting yeah, yeah. and people yeah. doing like twitch and things like that actually a bit more of a sort of relaxed and cozy kind of style is yeah. you know it's not a bad thing and also the other thing is that um friends of mine who like if you don't live in or near london or manchester mm. or edinburgh or like a big sort of population center it can be really hard as a comedian or an actor to yeah. you know go to auditions or to go to gigs mm. and like for people like me getting childcare can be really difficult mm. and so yeah i mean i literally just put the children in front <laughs> of goodness knows what they could be watching anything <laughs> and um mm. it's fine you know it's yeah. they if the house burns down behind me then you know you'll yeah, have we'll a story why. to tell but uh, yeah. no, but it's fine so yeah there's lots of there's lots of stuff about it you go yeah it's quite good really and I think like with this, because I mean, it's one thing we, pro we probably could have done this any which way, the interviews, but the idea that people would watch something like this in this way would never have happened without this no. situation. The idea mm -hmm. you'd have to sell to people, well, you have to download Zoom and you have to do, and for the club, it's been a nice way to keep it going, but just sort of, I don't know, it's, it's, it is that sort of blitz spirit thing, I think. You We've know? always said with Mostly Comedy, the bit that we enjoy the most is meeting new com yeah. comedy acts, people that we've met before and like and chatting with them. And when we would when we do Mostly Comedy as the sort of hosts and uh, promoters, that you literally most of the time you get to say hi and then bye and then stand there and then we're going to put you on at this time and then that's yeah. about it. So yeah. when you get a chance to talk to acts, when yeah. you get a chance to do this, is why we started at the beginning of the year doing on-stage uh, podcasts and why years ago we used to do backstage podcasts but doing this is even better because you get even more kind of time to chat yeah and it's the it's the best part about running a club and I mean, it's not the best i mean obviously going on stage and performing is also good but <laughs> yeah. but it's another great part is meeting people meeting new comedians meeting people you've not met before and you know having a proper well, normally when i up. come and do your gig i just turn up i come in i eat everything it. in the green room because you do do the best snacks <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then I've always got to race off. So it's kind oh. of quite nice to sit and have a virtual drink. Exactly. I think the way it's going to evolve as well is that the technology is going to catch up so that actually mm. all of us who are in the room yeah. will be able to chat to each other. And because actually the, you've noticed, I think, that people have got better at doing Zooms and, mm. and other video meeting formats. Mm. Um, and 
like the BBC are doing stuff now where they've got rid of the delay on Zoom so right, that yeah, you yeah. can hear people in real time so you can have like a live audience. And it's not as right. good, obviously, yeah. as mm. a live gig. Nothing will replace it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, sometimes, yeah, it's quite nice just to do something where you, you can all, you know, and if, if we could all chat and if we could see the audience and if they could join in, then that would mm. be nearly... Yeah nearly as good as the real thing yeah. i would say that's it yeah, it broadens the things you can do like you say because if you're normally stuck in one place and you can't get there it just opens up the things you can do on the same day i think which is which is nice yeah. as well um, and the other thing is what you can do is if it's going badly you can mm. just stay really still yes <laughs> yeah right, that's the end of the interview thank you yeah, for yeah. That. yeah. She's, <laughs> she's frozen i'm sorry yeah, she's gone yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah my internet has been very bad uh, a couple of times <laughs> yeah with, uh, choice you know, meetings that have been going on a bit too long yeah um, I was going to ask about, because, uh, I mean, inevitably, looking at Wikipedia and other places, um, I saw that you sort of started out as a researcher. I say started out, one of the things you did, like researcher for telly um, and doing, like, the Mrs. Merton show and things like that. I mean, one, what did that actually entail? But also, did it sort of help your journey into comedy to be sort of close to those sort of things, surrounded by it? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, in so many ways. So I went to university in Manchester and I had always loved comedy and music were my two sort of things that I used to go and see all the time. Yeah. And um, I got a job working on the Mrs Merton show with Carolina Hearn, who was one of the most amazing human beings I've ever met, like phenomenally talented, but also just a really pure, lovely, wonderful human being. And she... Uh, encouraged me in every sort of way. So th being a researcher on the Mrs. Merton show meant that basically I sort of tried to book guests for it. Right. Um, so we had, I'm trying to think of my sort of favourite guests that I booked. George Best was an amazing one. Right, yeah. Because at the time, he... It was difficult booking the Mrs. Merton show for the first series because obviously no one had seen it. Hmm. And you'd say to agents, well, it's a chat show and it's presented by an old woman, but it's not really an old woman. And she's going to ask quite cheeky questions. And I mean, every agent is like, why would I expose my yeah. <laughs> my client to that? Because it sounds yeah, yeah. mad and it sounds terrifying. And it's an unknown. I suppose in those days it was slightly more unknown maybe than it is now. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. no, I mean, it was, it, it, it was quite the hard sell to agents. And so yeah. me and the other researchers, you know, we were always trying to think of who would be a really interesting guest and Caroline and Craig Cash and Henry Normal and Dave Gorman who were the writers they had very sort of definite ideas about who they would like and it was always people who like the audience would like because the Mrs Merton show had an audience of 50 um OAPs I guess you know friends mm. of Caroline's oh, yeah, mum and yeah <laughs> so and it was who were the audience like because the audience were part of the show as well so it was like who would they like to interact with um and it, it so it just led to some really interesting kind of bookings so like George Best was at the time perceived as a slightly unreliable booking because he you know yeah. tragically as it turns out he you know he was on the booze and um mm. so like I booked him and it was terrifying. I had to go to his house in Chelsea and escort him up to Manchester because nobody trusted that he would right. kind of make it up to yeah, the studio. Yeah. And mm. we got off the train at Manchester Piccadilly and we walked through Manchester and it was like being with Elvis. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was really hard to just get him through the train station and into a taxi. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, there were loads of sort of people like that that, you know, I, I, I wasn't a football fan. I hmm. kind of didn't really know much about George Best. And it was so brilliant to sort of meet these people and work yeah. with these people. Mm. Um, and then, of course, there were the famous moments like the Debbie McGee. <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. question, you know, what first attraction she to the Millionaire Paul Daniels? And yeah. that, the, the thing about the Mrs. Merton show, though, is, is it was really affectionate and all the guests had a really nice time and, you know, there, there wasn't really malice. And I always think that that clip is shown hmm. and people go, oh, yeah, it was so cutting. and it was so, But actually, Debbie McGee had a brilliant time on that show and then Paul Daniels came on the next right, series because yes. Debbie had had such a great time. Um, so, yeah, so most, I mean, Chris Eubank, that, that was a slightly awkward... Uh, Oh God! <laughs> yeah. Slightly awkward evening. I can't remember that one. I no, you say it. I remember. Yeah, because well, Eubank yeah. came on, and I don't think he had quite got the point of it. Or, oh. but it was actually brilliant. 
TV yeah. because well, he thing, kind of looked like he was going to punch her <laughs> the entire <laughs> time. But actually, he was fine at the end, and he I think he thought it was funny. And because people sort of, at the time, people went, oh, my God, this is amazing TV. Mm. And it really created a buzz around the series. So it was, yeah, it was really good fun. So I did that for three series, I think. Right. And then I by that time, I'd started doing comedy because I, I was writing comedy and at that time, and I guess even now, to become a comedian or a comedy writer, it hmm. seemed a lot easier to sort of do stand-up to get your writing notice. So really, I yeah. didn't kind of want to be a stand-up. I'd always loved stand-up, but I didn't really want to be a stand-up. I wanted to be a comedy writer. Right. But um, I started doing doing comedy and loved it and never looked back. Well, Malcolm has just said, I remember the George Melly one. Yeah. That's that a, a guest as well. Yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Merton asked, asked him, him if he had any pornography and he answered that he didn't even have a pornograph to play it on. <laughs> Genius. Brilliant. I always loved it when the guests, the guests who really got it, like I was watching yeah. the other day, um, Tarby was on. Right. And yeah, that yeah. is absolutely glorious because Tarby really got it and right. was lovely with Caroline and lovely with the audience and it was when people could take the piss out of themselves but not in such a way that they were betraying the fact that it was a character it was yes. you know some people played it exactly right and it was it was brilliant and I was also reading another interview where it was saying that you used to be in netto a lot when you first started out doing comedy yes <laughs> which is very familiar I... to us because our, our drama school <laughs> had a netto directly opposite and the amount of like 9p banana yogurts that I bought from that yeah. place and, and huge was, chocolate bars for like yeah baked beans were always the loss leader weren't they so yes, you'd yeah. go in and it would <laughs> yeah. be like what price yeah. are the beans going to be because it was unimaginable how yeah. low yeah. the beans would go you were like they're paying you I don't know if it was baked beans and rolls that was the thing and <laughs> yeah. smash I don't even know what happened to Neto because I had I, I was on the till at Neto for a while oh, yeah. oh really so you got to see it from the inside the magic of it well I mean it was amazing because it was uh, if you remember the old days before the boop, you had to yeah. actually and oh, you yeah. memorized all the prices oh my god and there was a woman called Yvonne right and she didn't even look it was like touch typing she didn't look at anything I didn't even know because I would be like looking at the product and then I'd be finding the list and then doing the thing and Yvonne would be just chatting like hey, anyway what are you having for your dinner I know oh, right well I said to her I said it's and it, like she was a genius at the till so uh, yeah I used to work in Argos for a little while, and the same sort of thing. I, I used to still remember the number for a trampoline, if you're buying a trampoline, the specific, which is not really a transferable skill you can take. To were they, else, um, were they quite just... popular, then, trampolines? Were they kind of the uh, most yeah, popular? Yeah, they must have been for me to remember it. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What, I think because you had to go and get it from the, the storehouse. They didn't have, like, mm. they didn't have the magic conveyor, conveyor belt. Thing. So, yeah, that's why They'd I have been pricey as well, then. Trampolines well, yeah. are one of those things that they're commonplace now, but yeah, my yeah. God, they weren't, were they? Yeah, no, no. exactly. No, I'm just writing um, a quiz and one of the rounds I'm doing is The Price Was Right and it's the Argos <laughs> catalogue. I found yeah. online you can get the Argos catalogue from 1973 or whenever oh, it's amazing. Right. Uh, up till the present day. And mm. so I'm doing guess the price of things from the Argos catalogue. And I mean, I have to say, David, you clearly yeah. will have an advantage. I'll invite you along yes. to that quiz. <laughs> this is playing to my, my skills. That's very <laughs> exciting. Am I, is, am I right in the Argos catalogue is now finished, has it? Or is it going to finish? As a hard is copy, it, you don't get the hard, hard copy, copy anymore. Yeah. Although I think in the most recent advert, they still have it in it. It's part of it, which is confusing. But I yeah. think, aren't they bringing out a Christmas one? Because oh, maybe. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without it. And I, Stephen, very good note from Stephen. Remember, the price of trampolines can go up as well as down. Hey, <laughs> there you go. Uh, you can well, make yourself a cup of tea, Steve. You've won. You've yeah, won. Yeah, 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 yeah. You well win done. the chat. <laughs> um but yeah, so um, did you always intend on sort of performance as a thing? I mean, obviously you say you want to be a comedy writer, or is it sort of an mm. accidental route that you took? Or Yeah, no, I, I was never a confident performer and um, had terrible stage fright. And my, in fact, I don't know if I can say this on a recording because she might get struck off, but my sister, <laughs> um, who was a doctor, gave me some beta blockers. She had some beta blockers <laughs> right, and okay. uh, uh, she gave me those to cut. Because I used to be like sweating and shaking and I... I'd kind of get on stage and be like, ladies and gentlemen, um, it's lovely to be. This, by yeah. the way, is a train whistle. I was, nice. you know, I, was gonna, I wasn't going to ask. Obviously. I, know, I just didn't just want you to think. Just casually holding it there. What's she doing being relaxed and there's yeah. not being a bit too relaxed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, yeah. But, you, but you say that, but you were in... Uh, I mean, I was looking at the sort of oh, credits. We do have to stop at this moment and say, "Why have you got a train whistle?" I think yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Go on, I, just I mean, this has been this booth has seen much. I've got this. 
Nice. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I have many ways of, of making different Amazing. noises for, yeah. for things. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but you said about stage fright, but how, how did you become to be in One Flew Over a Cooker's Nest with Christian Slater? Was that, 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 that was a beautiful true... link then? Glenn, that, right? Yeah, just, was... just, reading, just reading through all the things we sort of went through in research. Is that true? Did you get That you is one that? of the scariest things that I've ever done, yeah. How, how really? did that come about then? So were you acting a lot at that point or were you trying to audition for a no. thing? No, oh. I'll tell you what happened was there was a thing called the Comedian's Theatre Company where um, Phil Nickel, Owen O'Neill and Dave Johns and anyway, there were various comedians who had put on plays and I think they'd done 12 Angry Men in Edinburgh the year before. Right. So this was 2004 we're talking about and um, so I was going up to Edinburgh with comedy shows and they said, would you like to be in our next production? And I was like, yeah, great. <laughs> Never acted, had no idea what it entailed. And I got cast. So if you know the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, or you may indeed have seen the play, uh, Nurse Ratchet is the character that everyone knows, the main nurse. There is another nurse called Nurse Flynn. Nobody right. remembers Nurse Flynn because in I, I, I'm not even sure in the movie... I, don't think she talks much and in the stage play she has three lines right. and by the time we came to performance uh one of those lines had been cut <laughs> so <laughs> i was in this play and i i had two lines and then mm. one of them francis barber who was playing nurse ratchet who was brilliant um but she kind of she would come in at the end of one of my lines and i was like <laughs> i've only got the two could you just yeah, yeah. leave <laughs> you know, but um, but she's a brilliant actor, so she knew mm -hmm. what she was doing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was amazing. And Christian Slater came over to play McMurphy, the role that Jack Nicholson did in the movie. Mm. Um, and it, at that time, it wasn't as common as it is now for big Hollywood actors to come over and do things in London. It was before mm. that rash of sort mm. of West End productions with big Hollywood people in it. So it was, again like walking through Manchester with George Best, <laughs> yeah. being with Christian Slater in London mm -hmm. was insane. And people yeah. would come to the stage door and just be pawing and trying to get at him and mm. it was it was like nothing I'd ever seen before it was properly like being a rock star and it was a very troubled production as well which people love because right. the the first director walked out and then right. there was you know and then Christian Slater got ill and it was all right. and they cancelled loads of the first performances in Edinburgh and so yeah there was high drama high ah. tension <laughs> and one day I will write a memoir just about, about that, that <laughs> crazy <laughs> time that we all had but it was the most fun it was like being back at university because right. there were about 15 of us in the cast mostly comedians and some brilliant actors uh, Mackenzie Crook was in it as well oh, and well, yeah. it was mm. yeah and it was, it was just so much fun and we had an indecent amount of fun doing that show and of course <laughs> I was terrified because I'd never acted before mm. but pretty quickly I realized that if I didn't turn up it wouldn't really have material affected the play. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so what's the pressure? Nice position to be in, though, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No pressure. Although I was fine when you when you're in something where you've only got like one or two lines, that's the harder one because when you've got lots of lines, you sort of get into the mindset. But when it's just a, like one line, you really overthink how you say that line, and <laughs> yeah. every word has to count. And it's yeah, it's, oh yeah, it's, especially when it's comedy. We used to do, but me and David used to yes. be in a writing group in um, at the Soho Theatre, and we used to do a lot of reading new comedy scripts. And if we'd you'd be, be like given, Man like, Two, Man Two, or, or yeah. Policeman Number Four, or something. You'd be yeah. Like, yeah. but you'd be like, how, how do I one line? And you're like, oh, I've got to make this funny because it's got to be funny. But you know, it's yeah. like one line. Yeah. But it's a misconception that you have to make it funny because it's yeah. you know it's like maybe maybe we're not the funny bit in this. Maybe we shouldn't. Yeah, be. Yeah. yeah. I think there is that comedy instinct to go, but yeah. it's about me. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. that yeah. great. Um, I can't remember who. I think it was in a Roy Hudd book of anecdotes, but there's the uh, legendary story of the uh, sort of a, a very venerable actor, and he'd taken this part in this play where he only had he only had the one line. And it was, hark, I hear the cannons roar. And uh, in rehearsal, they were like, right now, obviously at this point there's going to be um, an explosion off stage. We're not going to do that now in rehearsal. But um, <laughs> so you hear the cannons and you say, hark, I hear the cannons roar. And um, and this guy has been practicing and saying to the other actors, I don't know. Is it, I mean, it's my character. Is he feeling defeated? Is he feeling jubilant? Hark, I hear the cannons roar. Hark, I hear the cannons roar. And he'd been through it and been through it. And then they got to the night of the performance, which was the first time they had the actual live cannon. And uh, the cannon went off and he went, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Sorry for swearing. No, that's fine. That's, uh, that's good. So that really good story I remember Stephen Fry telling about. I can't remember who it was. One of, one of the sort of uh, alcoholic actors going to see a play with some friends. I think that's like a matinee and watching it and enjoying it and then go, oh, this is a good bit. This is the bit where I come in. And then realising that he was... <laughs> It was just yeah, amazing. Book of go that was. Well, we had um, Stephen K. Amos was oh, the right. naughty boy of the cast, <laughs> as he is. And there was yeah. well, he was meant to come on in the first scene of the second half. He came on with Felix Dexter, the brilliant mm. and uh, sadly no longer with us, Felix Dexter. And uh, we were all backstage, and it had been, I think, you know, it was a day where we were all feeling a little bit cheeky anyway. And he had gone to the pub in mm. the interval. And we're all there at the beginning of the second half and we're like, is he going to turn up? And poor Felix had to go on on his own. And then Stephen came absolutely mortified and the company manager gave him the biggest telling off I have ever seen in my life. Uh, And he was like a small chastised schoolboy, but it was very funny. <laughs> and I guess that was probably a good thing if you were taking like shows to Edinburgh and doing like solo stuff to have the chance to do something with a group of people because that can be quite a lonely mm. thing, the, the the sort of solo thing. So I suppose that was a nice change. Was, yeah. was that quite early in your Edinburgh journey, or had you done quite a few Edinburghs at that point? Or yeah, no, I was still pretty fresh. I was still still enjoying it. Enjoying it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the glory days. Yeah, no, it was. You were on uh, so many beta blockers by that point that everyone. Oh my god! I mean, every medication. If you shook me, I rattled at that stage. But uh, yeah, no, that was yeah. Just when I was really enjoying finding my feet and kind of going, oh, this is what I do. And my Edinburgh show that year, I think was, I can't remember what it was called, but it did it did quite well. So I was doing a successful play and I had a yeah, yeah. hit Edinburgh show and ooh, and I was like, <laughs> this is brilliant. This is going to carry on forever. And then... Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I was also reading, um, which I found quite interesting, that you're a patron for humanism, um, which is a complete jump to something else. Yes. Um, how did that come about? And also, um, does it affect your work in any way? And has it affected also your view of the pandemic and stuff? Has it helped, do you think, to have that attitude? It's a very good question, David. But uh, I'll be honest with you. What happened was I uh, had I was raised a Catholic and then I lapsed. And I think I was kind of looking for something else or hmm. I don't know. I felt some kind of, uh, kind of a need to define myself or whatever. And... Um, but I haven't, yeah, I mean, I suppose I am, I would say humanism is the kind of nearest thing to what I believe in that yeah. it's about that there is a need for morality and that morality doesn't necessarily spring from a God. It can, it can come just from the sort of natural innate goodness of humanity and that yeah, sort yeah. of spark in all of us that is good. But yeah, I mean, I don't really think i mean i don't do anything that's the the problem with humanism or atheism or agnosticism is you i mean i would like a club i would like (laughs) i'll be honest and i did try going to like the sunday assembly which is lovely and they sing songs instead of hymns and they but i am slightly conflicted in that i I sort of I don't believe in God, but I would really like to, and I really I'm quite jealous of people who do, and I love going to church, and I love hymns, and I love Christmas, and I love nativity plays, and mm. I love everything about it, and I do I have been saying to my husband I think maybe if I just pretend then it mm. will come, <laughs> yeah yeah, oh. um, but maybe not I don't know, but yeah I haven't really since I sort of lost my faith and then I had a big sort of I don't I don't believe in God and organised religion is evil. Hmm. And then like the line I do in my show is, you know, I used to I used to be very critical of organised religion. Now I'm in favour of organised anything as long as I don't have to bloody organise it. You know, that <laughs> yeah. sort of, I think, yeah. I don't know, yeah, I, I kind of feel, I, yeah, I don't know where I stand now, really. And I guess it's that sort of thing of, um, it's nice to feel that there's a positive purpose for things. It doesn't have to be led by an outside thing, by just mm. being kind. And I, I think again the circumstances we've been in it really reiterates that and I I meditate a lot as well so I use that and just the idea of being kind and compassionate but not for a reward other than just to sort of spread the kindness around if you know what I mean well I think the early days of clapping do you remember the early days of clapping that felt like a very pure and very sort of nice thing that even those of us who are cynical and I you know 
I don't like enforced anything. Hmm. I kind of like, I always feel a bit icky about joining in with everyone doing a thing. And I was really emotional and seeing all the neighbours and it was that sense of neighbourliness and community and all those sort of things, which again is something that I think is really positive that we can take out of this year that a lot of people, I mean, admittedly, it was a lot more pronounced at the beginning and in the summer when it was like, oh, we should all just meet on the street and have Prosecco in a socially distanced way. And now it's cold and dark and like we haven't sort of caught the neighbor's eyes for about three months but it's still there it's still there there was one time when i was taking the dog out and and the clapping started then and i'd forgotten from her i was like oh this is nice just walking down with the dog walk, so was that, yeah. the thing yeah. is though I, f- I found my neighbors we were i've got a very small street there's only about five or six houses and i felt uh, there was a pressure with the clapping it started off all nice and lovely mm. and then as the time went on I could see we were putting our kids to bed at about the same sort of time every night that it was that it was just about to start. And I'd look out the window, and if I wasn't out there, if we weren't out there, they were looking at our door as if to say, "Oh, well, they've stopped doing it." So I felt it's like you had to go out because otherwise the neighbours would be going, oh, "Well, they've stopped doing that. They've thought, you know, they're not yeah. doing it anymore. They don't care about the NHS." Oh, we've all, we've been a whisper away from fascism in so this many ways this yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it started but off a, nice. Yeah. You know, there's a fine line between community spirit and fascism. I did yeah. like what um, Malcolm's just chipped in with. It's easier to believe in God than it is to believe in people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, in my more that. cynical times, I agree with you there, Mark. Yeah. And, that, and that's the funny thing as well, because I, I think, yeah, I like to believe in the goodness of people and that everyone isn't out to be an arsehole. Everyone isn't out to get you. But I do find myself a lot of times saying, oh, fucking, I hate people. You know, like with Chairman's always like, yeah. my, my wife is like, oh, people are just, uh. but But then <laughs> I think that's en masse. And I think that's the press. I mean, again, like particularly the moment with the whole Trump thing that's happened. And, you know, the idea that a man can offer no evidence for something and yet still have millions of people supporting that is just frightening. And you just mm. but but then and actually, to be fair, in, in a leap to that, I remember specifically with you, if you don't mind me saying the last year I was supposed to be doing Edinburgh, my dad passed away and all the money was frozen and I couldn't raise the money. And then you sent me an email saying, well, I, I could lend you the money for it and I remember you saying specifically I can't give it to you and it's like you don't have to do anything but it was just so it was it was so lovely that you were thinking about oh maybe I can help and I just think that's that's so nice when people do that you know and people just want and I've actually found I think we found with Mostly Comedy when we started to close Mm. the doors because we couldn't do it we had you know we've raised about two and a half grand from people who come to the club and all the nice mm-hmm. comments you get and you just suddenly realise that people do really value these things. It does. It oh does open God, yeah. does open up the, you know, you, you realise, don't you, when people, when things aren't there anymore, that's when you start to appreciate them. And I think you can see, yeah, yeah the appreciation yeah. that comes back from all the things that we were doing that have stopped happening, yeah. Yeah, and being amazing. nice feels so good. And I mean, that's yeah. the thing that I think the pandemic has shown is that actually mm. whenever, you know, if you can do a favour for someone, then of course you feel better for doing so. And yeah. it's a very small fraction of absolute arseholes who don't yeah. get pleasure yeah. out of altruism and yeah, doing yeah. good. And, you know, I think the um, like our neighbours have been hilarious. Anything that we have suggested everyone's so eager we did this thing (laughs) back in god what month was it october i think um called chalk for charity which my uh, daughter suggested because we've been doing loads of chalk art on the street right lovely, yeah. and she said oh well why don't we let's cover the whole street in mm. chalk and it was you know one of those that it felt again i was like oh god we're going to do a whole thing with the street and it's going to be mm. really naff but mm. it was so so lovely because all the older people are like our street is kind of young families and then a lot of older people whose kids have left home and they all were like oh can you come and paint balloons and butterflies and rainbows outside our house and it was like one of those quite sickeningly (laughs) nice (laughs) (laughs) kind of you know it was yeah it was cloying but it was very very sweet and I think yeah it's there's been a lot of that this year I think the neighbours have really pulled together yeah and let's hope that's the thing that we can take into life as Mm. things go back more to normality because it is a really Good thing to have out of it, I think. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask briefly, and we should let you go soon because we've been talking yeah. for quite a while. But um, I, I know you love quizzes as well, and you have your podcast um, fingers on buzzers. And also, I was watching your week in House of Games. Where how, how many things did you win? I know you got the wheelie case, which was quite so, exciting. I need to watch <laughs> this. I need to see this. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. So uh, for those of you who don't know mm. it, it's a wonderful quiz show that's so on fun. at tea time, and uh, you get these little prizes. And people always say, oh, "Do you really get these?" Because it's like the seventies <laughs> or eighties where they used 
to give you stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Blankety blank or something. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah the, well, um, Bullseye is the one Bullseye that everyone always remembers yeah. that you yeah. get consumer mm. goods and stuff. Mm. So yeah, so you, you get all these things, but they've got Richard Osman's silhouetted face on them. So I got the wheelie suitcase, which was kind of the best one. Yeah. A dartboard. Nice. Um, a cushion. Yep. And did I get one? No, I got three, and then. Uh, Neil Delamere got the toolbox and that's the best one isn't it? I mean that I was sort of slightly gutted yeah. not to get that one and then um, Mark Billingham got the fondue set which was also excellent but yes. yeah I've, doing, I've been doing a lot of quizzing <laughs> so I've also recently um, recorded an episode of Pointless which will be my third time on Pointless right. so I don't know when that's going out but also Celebrity Mastermind oh yeah Oh, cool. Which I was desperate to get back on. I did it a few years, well, quite a few Didn't years you get, ago. Now, was it the highest score of a celebrity or something? Oh, I, David, I, I, I mean, heard. I don't like to talk about it, but <laughs> yeah. yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, your uh, subject was Lucy Porter, so uh, I think oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, small yeah. comedians from Croydon. Do you know uh, what your? Can you say what your subject is this time or not? Not. I think I'm allowed say. to. Yeah, oh, it's um, Victoria Wood. Oh, oh fantastic! The life Excellent. and works. So I've always loved her, and it was an absolute joy and a delight. So I just basically watched everything that she's she ever did mm. and um read the brilliant new biography of her that's out um and it was yeah so much fun so i think that's going out at christmas but yeah so, i'm basically just a quizzer now yeah, comedy is long forgotten <laughs> well, it's, it's funny isn't it I, I keep thinking like they're, they're probably the easiest things to film as well at this point yeah. in time aren't they i suppose because yeah. things where they're just like panel shows and quizzes and things like that Standing where people podiums, sat on their podiums yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So well i did pointless with dave johns who i was in one floor of the cuckoo's nest with but we had like a perspex screen and you had to stand oh, right. away from the perspex screen. And of course, oh. pointless, you do have to confer at times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what? And it, what he's deaf and I'm deaf. And like, all right. the young people were fine, but he and I were, you know, trying to, we looked like John McCrerick doing some weird. <laughs> did they have to make it sort of, did they hide the perspex or was it kind of obvious? They make it a point of it of saying, this is here. Did yeah, you're going to notice you're it. You're going to notice it. I, mean, I was going to say, yeah, is that, that's going to be obvious, isn't it, surely? Yeah. yeah. I was going to make a Midsummer Night's Dream reference with the wall, but that's a bit too high end. For this, this, yeah, this I wouldn't have got that. I, I don't so. think even I got it, so that's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think you're going to watch stuff that's been filmed this year and know, and it's going to be really interesting. I, I find it fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating Yeah, and because you wonder, I mean, obviously, because things seem to be getting more positive now because of all the news, mm. all the various like vaccines that are coming up. You, yeah, you do start to see this is one of those things that obviously is going to be iconic of this period and a very specific. Mm. So like you say, yeah, everything that you can see that will be filmed in that way. I mean, I haven't really, I mean, I don't really watch like EastEnders and stuff, but I know they went back and they've been doing that. I haven't actually seen how they do that, but it'll be interesting. I don't know oh, if that's I have. The trouble well. is I watched it purely to, to kind of work it. To, I, I saw right. the stuff about what how they'd been doing it and then I watched yeah. it just to sort of see if I could spot it and sort of like work it all out because it's... It is interesting, but it does kind of ruin programs for you because you start watching. There's a thing I really like, uh, This Is Us, which is an American series, which is on um, Amazon. And Mm. they, they film that, and I have been filming that recently and you watch it and every single point of it you're like oh they didn't do that because of that oh they didn't do that yeah. i see what they've done there and, <laughs> yeah. and you kind of go hang on i need to stop doing this now and just watch the program like yeah. I used to. You know, it's, it's so annoying well we are going to be left i think with a kind of you know an, an unease about people hugging and touching yeah. and kissing yeah. on screen because it, yeah. even now yeah you watch old stuff and you go oh well, that's yeah. not very covid secure is it <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 like they knew like so they should have known you couldn't, you couldn't film yeah. the bill now could you because they're always like really close to yeah. wouldn't happen so is the plan now to go back out on tour now things are easing mm. or what i mean do, how how yeah. far can you plan ahead well we've rescheduled the tour twice and it's sort of meant to be starting again in march april and i'm right. kind of cautiously optimistic that it's going to happen i mean yeah. if they reschedule it again i think i might <laughs> i was saying the other day i might just go around to everyone's house and just do it because i just want to <laughs> you know i don't want people to have to reschedule again yeah. um but yeah i think it'll be fine i think we'll get we'll get out in some form next year even yeah. if it is with social distancing and perspex screens and masks and <laughs> yeah, yeah. everybody Holograms, looking. Yeah. Do, do you feel an anxiety about going back to that out of interest? Because I, I know I sort of do, because you get so used to living in this sort of bubble. and then But going back to performance, it's suddenly like a, 
a bigger deal or do you, or are you looking no, forward to the release of it? Do you think? Cannot blimmin' wait, mate. I am, yeah, no. I, well, because I've done enough sort of little bits and bobs of yeah. things like filming Pointless and mm-hmm. to, to sort of go, God, it's really nice being around other people, even yes. if you can't yeah. touch them. And I mm. love touching people, as you both know. Uh, <laughs> but if you, yeah, if you can just be in a room with other people and feel that collective energy, it's yeah. incredible. So, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I'll probably be rubbish. I wouldn't come and see the first couple of nights <laughs> of the tour. I'll be honest with you. If it's coming anywhere near you, then swerve it until at least uh, week two. But yeah, it will be it will be like taking shaky baby steps back. But I think mm. it will be great. I think the the joy of all being in a room together will outweigh any kind of stage fright. One thing that I will definitely take away from this year is I will never ever again walk past a pub if it is open. I'm just going to go yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so then in about. Ten years time, you'll be the George Best on the. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're dragging you through Croydon or something. Mm. Yeah. Um, we should probably stop there, but thanks so much yeah. for doing this, Lucy. And, and oh, such a pleasure! Really lovely to talk to you, and thank yeah. you to everyone who has, has sat and listened and yeah. contributed through the lovely chat. Yeah. It's been mm. an absolute pleasure, and I've got a Chinese takeaway. Oh, so jealous! So jealous oh. of that. Right, I'm going to see if the chip shop's <laughs> open. So there we go. That was Lucy Porter. It was, and us as well, asking questions. Yeah, and, and us. Yeah, uh, again, another lovely chat that we wouldn't have had if it weren't for this situation that we've been do you, in. Do you know what I, What was interesting? Um, I found that we talked more than we have for all these interviews we've done during uh, this COVID coronavirus time. Mm. Um, we talked more about it and lockdown, I think, in this interview than we have most others as we talked a lot about different elements of it like um, so it'll be interesting if people are listening to this way down the line when Mm. hopefully things are back to some sort of normality or it'd be interesting you know it kind of sets it in a time more than some of them have done do you know what I mean yeah definitely in a a nice way because I quite like reminiscing yeah. it's like a bit of history and also it's this sort of we're more familiar this time around um with with what yeah. to do um so yeah i think the whole thing i think if you listen through all of them you could sort of chart the different stages of this whole thing and you know the yeah because now at the time of recording we're in lockdown number two we've sort of got a familiarity of what it is but also we've recently had the news obviously as we mentioned about various vaccines that by the time you listen mm. to this you'll know that we all grew second heads as a result of them died this off due to some other disease yeah. um yeah so you, you've got that information. But, um, yeah. but yeah, so it's a slightly different feeling this time, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I hope, like we were saying, you know, I think there have been, despite obviously all the challenges, and I guess we're lucky because we've not been in a situation where it's directly, the health side of it hasn't at this point directly impacted us. No, um, no. But there have been good things that have come out of it as regards, I think, people's attitudes uh, to each mm. other and sort of helping each other out and sort of, I don't know, like like we were saying, I do think, well, I hope that when we go back to more normality, people, at least, even if it's for a few weeks, will sort of appreciate it more and, and you know, and be nicer, hopefully. It, de- it definitely, like I said about my, um, talking about my my neighbours and like yeah. doing that clapping thing. And, de- uh-huh. you know, there was a point where I thought I, was, I felt judged by them because I wasn't out there. Like, oh, I did as well. I'd be walking around my kitchen and you suddenly realise it's going on and I think, oh, they can see yeah. me inside it. But it's like, I do support it. I'm just, yeah, I'm just not, I just, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not arbitrarily clapping. But on, the, but on a positive side of that, actually, it's been really good for just getting to know the neighbours in right. the sense like, you yeah. know, I mean, I've, I've always chatted with quite a small, like, you know, it's quite a small street. And yeah. there's, I pretty much know everyone's name in the sort of immediate vicinity of where I am. And in fact, when yeah. you don't know someone, it's more weird that you don't know them than you do. If you know what I mean? Because yes. I know yeah, most yeah. of them. So, but it has been nice to be able to chat to them. And it has carried on mm. even when we went after first lockdown, going back into sort of, well, normality for us with having the kids back at school and stuff. Mm. Then it, and everything sort of became like a rush and life became like it was sort of um, with work and stuff. So even then, I felt like I was going, right, oh, I'll chat to this person today or I can have a yeah. moment where I can talk, you know, and that hadn't been a thing before. So, there, yeah, no. there are definite, definite positives. Positives like this podcast, for example, yeah. are, you know, all good, all good stuff. But it's getting that sort of com- community. I mean, they're all terrible phrases and you're sort of embarrassed for saying, but like community spirit, it's that feeling yeah. of you know, being a part of something rather than avoiding. I mean, I know I've talked to you before about there used to be a guy who lived in the block of flats that I lived in who would like work so hard to not meet my eye 
when mm-hmm. you know he'd be leaving i'd be entering I just well, I'm, you know, I'm just gonna say hello and he's so hard uh, i will not look at him i will not say hello and it's like god why and and you just get more and more you think god it, it's weirder the more he tries to really enforce not seeing me when i'm quite clearly walking yeah. through the same door as him you know why are people like that but it's nice some people and i know we you know you, you like your privacy you don't want to have to sort of stop for ages but it's just nice to sort of know the people around you and, and be a part of something i think and you know we, yeah, i definitely. guess the the nature of a thing that we've all been thrown into means you sort of face it all together so it's t- yeah definitely i mean i'd say the only thing that frustrates me now is the mask wearing and not because i don't want to wear a mask because i'm happy to wear a mask and i wear it all the time and i wear it i prefer all the time it when you wear a mask i'm not i'm not wearing so, yeah. it now so i no. don't wear it all the time but yeah. i wear it like doing the school drop-offs and um that's one of the hardest things but and actually i'm looking forward to it's, it's being totally honest school drop-off has always been one of those things where you know sometimes i'm in a mood to talk to people sometimes really not you just want to yeah. drop your kids off and go yeah, yeah. Uh, the mask wearing for me kind of plays into the side of me that doesn't want to talk to people because you you yeah. can't you can't communicate with people properly so you no. sort of end up not talking to anyone because and actually now I've got to the point where I'm like, you know what, I look forward to when I'm not wearing a mask, where I can actually communicate with people, even just if it's a smile or a kind of expression in my face, because you just feel like, all you feel like you're doing is just giving everyone evils, because all they can see is your eyes. And you're like, if I want to say hi to someone, I have to really animate it with my eyes and like, ah, look at me, I'm saying hello, morning, in a point where, you know, everyone's quite tired. So it's so um, we're all doing so, uh, TIE or something. We're all like some sort yeah. of horrible teacher <laughs> yeah, education yeah. tool. So yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to when we can communicate yeah. with more than just our eyes. Although at the same time, it's quite nice sometimes to not be seen. You know, it's like it's really conflicting so. my mind as I'm saying it because there are times when I really enjoy the fact that I can just be anonymous and just wear yeah. a mask and just go about stuff without having to communicate. Yeah. Then there are times now where I'm going. Do you know what? Actually, I'd really like to be able to communicate now, yeah. but I don't feel like I can. Yeah, well, you, know. you, you catch yourself as you're doing it, don't you? you think, oh, well, that won't have read because they can't see my photo. Yeah. You know? And like yeah, you say, exactly. yeah, I do find myself really, really upping <laughs> the yeah. energy just because of the, the mask thing. But yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's very it's, difficult. But it is a stra- it's so strange. And it, who'd have thought that this time last year we'd be talking about that? I know. It's such a, <laughs> you know? yeah, it's such a strange situation we've been in. And I guess it's, you're starting to frame it a bit differently now because the news seems to be getting better. But obviously, yeah. we'll take yeah. everything with a pinch of salt and see. As to what's happening yeah. in America, God knows. Where, you know, oh, don't even go there. No, don't it's even not, go there. We don't, we don't have the time or the energy. <laughs> no. But no. let's hope that by the time you listen to this, Trump has long gone. Let's hope that, if nothing let's else. Let's hope. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. he's a madman. Um, but uh, <laughs> thanks for listening to this podcast. And there are yes. plenty of other ones to listen to if you want to. All those various people, uh, including... Bobby Davro, Kate Robbins, Rory Bremner, Arthur Smith, Josh Widdicombe, old ones with Phil Jupiter, Richard Herring, James A. Caster. James A. Caster, various people, lots of people. Paul Daniels, Debbie McGee, as we mentioned in this one. And it's funny, I'd forgotten, um, like when we were talking about the Christian Slater play, um, mm. how much of a big deal that was at the time. I do remember. It was, yeah, yeah. it really was. That, that was the thing that got me, was like when it was just stuck there, that's why I kind of felt the need to kind of bring it up because mm. it was in there amongst all the sort of Wikipedia stuff about Lucy. And I was like, yeah. that's that I really remember that. I really mm. remember that point. And we hadn't even done Edinburgh at that point. So it wasn't an no. Edinburgh thing for us because we hadn't no. been there, I don't think, 2004, which she said it was, wasn't it? I think yeah, it was. So, yeah. But just to... Um, yeah, to kind of go, you were part of that. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember and that. It, it's like a lot of these interviews we do. It's funny when you find yourself, because obviously we were aware of Lucy Porter for a long mm. while before we met her. And mm. then you go to the other side of it when you've met her and you know her a bit more. And so to the sort of refer to things that you remember uh, with yeah. the person afterwards, this many years on, is a sort of yeah. funny thing. And we get that a lot, like talking to Rory Bremner or someone and talking even just yeah. about his programmes and stuff. It's funny how life works like that, particularly for us, where you start yeah. on one end of a thing, being vaguely aware of it, and then come yeah. out the other end, talking to the person about it, knowing, yeah, yeah. it's very strange, very strange. Yeah. But interesting. It is. But yeah, listen to the other episodes. Um, if Mostly Comedy is up and running again, uh, come and see us. Uh, mostlycomedy.co.uk is the, the place where everything is, all the information. Uh-huh. And um, we'll hopefully have you with us again for another one of these interviews very soon. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Um, I won't do a, a showbiz oh. ending because I, I just don't, I, I've lost faith in it. But, do you know um, what? I was going to, I was, I'd, I'd already said see you soon then, so now I've kind of ended it, but without ending it, which is really weird. So, yeah. um, 
what do we say once you said that? It's like the you know you hang up. No, no, no you. No, yeah, exactly. I'll hang up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. It's the nature of Zoom, isn't it? As well, like yeah. the whole. I just should I? I'm gonna go now. I'm gonna. I've pressed leave, but hang on, I'm still there. Just, yeah. just press my the face next is button. frozen in a weird, yeah. really weird expression. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, all the things you just get used to now. Yeah. It'd be nice if we can just say goodbye and walk away. Yes, like, like the old days. But yeah. yeah, thanks for listening. See you, hear you, have you there with us next time. Thanks for coming. Take care. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>